This is Wales. Bangor, Newport, Carmarthen, Rill, Bill's Wells, Norpeth, Aberdeer, Port Madog, Colgan, Regent, Aberavon, Wrexham, Merthyr, Neat. This is Wales.
Hi, and welcome to the latest Welsh Connections interview show. Today, I'm over the moon to be joined by the one and only Chris Amu of The Real Thing. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us today. No problem, man. No problem. Now, I know we're here to talk about the forthcoming album and the new double A-sided single, but I thought we'd take people back to the very beginning and find out how you got into music in the first place. Well, basically, it all started around about 1970. I grew up in, um, in Toxteth in Liverpool, uh, which is the ghetto part of Liverpool. And a lot of the black Americans used to come in off the basis to the clubs where we used to all go and they used to bring the music in with them. And basically it was music that you didn't really hear on mainstream radio at the time. So we were hearing all these sorts of um, imports from like bands like the OJs and all that. So that was our music, you know, that was the music that we were really brought up on. We, we just did as kids normally start singing along with it and things. And my brother Eddie was in a group uh, at the time called The Chance. And they'd made a sort of a really good career out of being in the music business. And Dave and I decided from a very early age that that is actually what we wanted to do. We weren't concerned. We didn't think about records or anything like that. We just wanted to get on that stage and perform and make a career of it. And we knew it could be, it could be done because Eddie was doing it, you know. Now, at this time, we were only about 15 years old, you know. How it starts off, we used to get together in our front room and we'd put the records on. We'd start singing along with them. And then gradually, we learned how to harmonise. Basically, after about two years, it was pretty serious. It was like, this is what we're going to do. And we can do it. And so we started entering contests, little competitions in that round Liverpool, talent, talent contests and things. And we passed the audition for Opportunity Knox. You could say that that was the birth of the real thing because, number one, instead of just going around the local sort of clubs, just sort of like doing a number here, you know, just to get on stage, we actually became known nationally. So we could work all over the country in all the big clubs around the country, you know. It was at this time we met our manager, uh, Tony Hall, who, um, at this time, we were called Vocal Perfection. We weren't called Real Thing. And he thought that the name Vocal Perfection left us open to too much criticism because we certainly weren't vocally perfect at the time. We were, only too, we were too young and raw to be taken seriously like that, you know. And basically, he just wanted people to get off on the excitement and the rawness of the group. And he was driving around Piccadilly and um, the great big Coca-Cola sign in Piccadilly, you know, it's the real thing flashing around. And that's uh, where the name Real Thing came from, you know. Um, so you could say that um, Opportunity Knox was actually the birth of the name Real Thing. And that's where it all kicked off for us. And that was about, what, 1972? 1972, that was, yeah. And I, th I think, if, if I'm right, you, you were the first black group to appear on Opportunity Knox as well. Do you know something? I've heard that. I'm, you're probably right, because I, I, there wasn't many black people on television in them days, to be quite honest with you. Not in them type of competitions. Yeah. From here, you know, from over here. And I'm not too sure that there was that many, at that time, black groups. There might have been in London, but remember this. Our world was toxic. The outside Toxteth, really. That we had everything that we needed in Toxteth. We had our own clubs, youth clubs, restaurants, 
older clubs where, you know, the older people in the community, like my brother and people used to go, and used to let us in because he, you know, like I say, there was none of this, oh, no, you're too young to come in here because it's a drinking club. They knew all our parents anyway. So it was like, long as you come in here and you behave yourself, you're not drinking alcohol, you can have Coca-Cola or whatever, you can come in. Any messing, we'll never let you in again. So nobody messed around and we used to go in and we used to be dancing and singing along to all the Black American um, soul records. And um, that was our upbringing. So, you know, we didn't really see outside of Liverpool. What, what a great grounding. So 1972, 1972 mm-hmm. Opportunity knocks. Four years later, you know, a very short span of time, you, you get your first number one. Yeah. Um, four years, it sounds... Sounds quite quick now, really. But it certainly wasn't then, you know. There was a lot of disappointments and things. But because we were so young and so sort of not really that bothering that much about things, it didn't get to us. But it must have gotten to our manager, you know. We were just, as I say, we'd become pretty established by this time. By 1976, we'd become established because, A, we'd been working with David Essex in America, We'd been on top of the pops with him. We'd sung on his albums. I'd done, well, and the group, but mainly me on the lead vocal side. I'd done like a Wrigley Sperm and Gum, Cadbury's Dairy Milk, all them adverts and things. So we were building up quite a rep by the time You To Me or everything came out, you know. But I suppose you're talking six years from when we first started to actually cracking it. And, you know, six years. It doesn't seem a long time when you think about it in that context. But when you're living six years, it's a long time. How much you mean to me There must be some other way to make you see If it takes my heart and soul You know I'd pay the price Everything that I possess I'd gladly sacrifice Oh, you to me are everything The sweetest song that I could sing Oh, baby Oh, baby To you I guess I'm just a clown Who picks you up change your part If it takes forever girl, then I'm prepared to wait. The day you give your love to me won't be a day too late Oh, you to me 
actually followed up by um, Can't Get By Without You. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, it must have been an, an amazing period period of time after all that hard work, because your, your brother had joined the group by then as well, hadn't he? Yeah, Eddie joined the group in 1975. Yeah, just a year before, um, a year before You To Me. It was unbelievable. Well, number one, You To Me On Everything changed our lives. That's, that's it. it. You know, it changed our lives completely. To follow up with a song like Can't Get By Without You, which had been released before, you know, it had been recorded before. Yeah, it was an unbelievable period of time, you know, not only because I think it was probably the best time for black music in this country. And I still do, even now, I think that that was the best period for black music in general around the world, to be quite honest with you. Um, a lot of classics came out of that time. It was just a wonderful period to live in. But don't get me wrong. You know, there was still the same stresses. There was still the same, you know, it was just a lovely time to be because we were we were doing it, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure this is a question you've been asked many times, but, you know, you were responsible for two, well, more than two, but I'll come to that later, two of the most iconic songs to come out of the UK in the 70s, in that number mm -hmm. one and that number two. I mean, uh, your number one, I think, if I'm right, is the 69th most played song in the world. Wow. I mean, what an achievement. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it is. And it's, um, it's wonderful. You know, We didn't realise then what it was going to become because there's a lot of number ones between when records were first charted to now. But how many of them do you remember? But you remember that one. And that's the sign of a classic. That's, that's when songs become classics, when you can go through the generations and people get the same buzz from them as they got in, in the generation it, it was actually recorded in. So we're very, very fortunate uh, with, to have done two of the most. I mean, even Can You Feel the Force is pretty much a classic now in that I think everybody knows it in each generation. It was a hit twice. So them three were all hits twice. That more or less makes them into classic songs. Yeah, yeah. And to have done them three songs, we're tremendously proud, you know. When you can look and you can go, well, such and such got to number 13 and such and such got to number 12, not, you know. And you can go, well, well, then you're talking because I think that, like, people can live on a hit record back in the day that went to number 13, 14. Because if you think to one of two of our what we would consider flops that just crept into the top 40. Like Raining Through My Sunshine did 150,000 records. That's 150,000 people in the country who bought one of your records would never be considered a flop in any way, shape or form now. In fact, it will probably be at number one now. When I leave your door When we say goodnight It hurts me more and more Cause girl it just ain't right To end a day like this With no more than a kiss Spend the night just dreaming Of the things we're gonna miss If I had my way Girl we'd be together More and more each day 
could go on forever, lovers hand in hand. Can't you understand? Girl, you've got to be my woman, I've got to be your man. Cause I can't get by without you, I need you more each day. The way I feel about you, there's nothing more to say. Cause I love you, girl, I need you. And I can't get by without you, no way. Sad affair, wasting precious time that you and I could share. Girl, it's such a crime to hear you call my name. It's a crying shame when we're not together. Then there's only time to blame. There will come a day, girl. I do believe it's not too far away. When I can say goodnight and still be by your side To dry the tears you cry And I'll have all the love I need to keep me satisfied Cause I can't get by without you I need you more each day The way I feel about you Leaves nothing more to say Cause I love you tremendously proud to have to be involved and to have recorded those especially those three iconic songs yeah i mean i was thinking earlier before before we came on this chat that really those songs i mean you mentioned can you feel the force it's almost like the soundtrack to our lives you know we we can all remember the first time that we heard those three those three songs in particular yeah amazing uh, yeah it's a soundtrack to my life from, from when I was about 18, 19, you know, 20 odd. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so many people have got so many good memories of them, you know. And people say to us, you know, don't you get sick of singing the songs after, you know, it's been, what, 40, 40 odd years, more, 45, whatever. Now, you know, I always say, well, it depends on which way you, where you're coming from because the real thing, were founded on live music. That's what we were founded on. That's what we loved doing. We didn't even think of records. For us, we've always thought you need two things, two elements to being a successful live act. Fun and excitement. That they're the two elements that you need. The fun comes from seeing people. The reaction when we're singing You To Me Or Everything, when we're singing Can't Get By Without You. And then the excitement comes when we sing our new product that we're writing, that's exciting for us. So you've got the two elements there to make, as far as we're concerned, an exciting show. 
Now, why aren't you going to enjoy doing that? So there's your answer to people who say, we just still enjoy doing the songs. Yes, we do. You can see it. Yes. It's written all over your face. Just complete joy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned Can You Feel the Force, 1979. A massive hit all across Europe. And quite rightly, as you said earlier, it is a classic. Everybody knows mm -hmm. that song. That was one that you and your brother wrote yourselves. Yes, it was. Our manager has always instilled into us from the very beginning the importance of being self-sufficient with your musical career. Because when you rely on other people, when they're finished, you're finished. If they have a short reign, you have a short reign, you know. So always develop yourselves so that you can get into the position where you can write your own product. We, we were very fortunate because Eddie was already a very proficient songwriter when he joined the band. And Eddie and I, for quite a few years before that, had started writing together and we were writing proper songs that we were recording at the time as well. When we got You To Me and Can't Get By into the charts, one thing we didn't want was another one the same because we knew that, number one, we don't write that type of thing. That's number one. And number two, you become so... People become so used to hearing you doing that particular thing that if you try to vary from that, you ain't happening, you know. So we just wanted to do something different. So we, we, we actually wrote a ballad called You Never Know What You're Missing, which became our third single. For the ballad and for the type of ballad it was, it did really well because it got to 13 or something. Yeah, about 13, 14, something like that. 14. Now that was, was a hit song. So we could sort of look at ourselves and go, we've written a hit song. And our manager was tremendously proud because he's the one who'd, who had the final say, you know, guys, what we should do is, you know. So we listened to Ken's, who wrote You To Me and Can't Get By, come up with some nice song. We listened to You Never Know What You're Missing and we decided to go with that. And it was a hit. So what that did is two things. Number one, it got us a hit. And number two, it gave me and Eddie the confidence to be able to say, well, we can write it because we've written one. And because of that, our writing really blossomed and culminated in songs like Can You Feel the Force? I remember when we met And you begged me not to get close to you And you begged me not to get to involve with you and yet I couldn't help myself Cause you had yourself a bad affair With a boy who didn't care And he hurt your love Now you're afraid of love Now you never know what you're missing and I find myself just wishing that you only could So I tried constantly to bring you close to me How I tried But the more I got I just had to become resolved To live them without you, girl 
which you probably haven't heard, but that was the original that we wrote on our album, Four From Eight. That was a more jazzy type version, which we were very much into at the time. We were into funk jazz and that time. That was our, what we were into at that point in time. And that's why, that's where we fitted Children of the Ghetto. And it's been covered by, you wouldn't believe how many jazz artists around the world. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many. And then we went in and we redone it. And that's the version that Philip Bailey covered and Mary J. Blind. So you've got all your jazz artists who have covered it. You've got all your sort of R&B artists who have covered it. And if you uh, Google it, you'll you'll see so many young uh, um, rap artists that have used it on the songs. It's just, in fact, I turned it off in the end. There were that many. <laughs> there was that many of them using it. It was fantastic and proud, but, you know, it just got, you know, I stopped Googling in the end because there was that many. But that's the importance of the song. And that, to me, is our most important thing that we've ever done and the best song that we've ever written.
it's a great song with a great message that transcends all all boundaries. More so now. It was a little bit heavy then. People weren't ready for it then, right? Because back in the 70s, there was a general acceptance of racism back in the 70s, especially the early 70s. There was a general toleration of it. You could use words like gollywog and things like that back in them days, in the 70s, which you can't do now. So, you know, as far as workers then, it's a very important song. It says who we are and where we're from, you know. It's a great track. You, you mentioned earlier that you've been in the business for 45 years. 50. 50. That, that is absolutely amazing. You know, what, what, what a career to have. And it's still going strong because I know you've got a new album coming out. You, you recently, or a few years ago, you toured Australia for the first time. What was that like? Fantastic. We toured with um, friends of ours, Hot Chocolates, actually. I love Australia anyway. I mean, I think it's a fantastic place. I think if I was ever, I don't, if you ask me wife, I don't know. But for me, if ever I was going to settle anywhere outside of England, it probably would be Australia. You know, I just love the place. It was great. It was, it was a really good tour. I think tour, I think us and hot chocolates are too different to get the best of what we had to offer. Because I think a lot of people who really like hot chocolate are not going to be as much into real thing. And I think, a lot of people who like real thing aren't going to be as much into hot chocolate, you know? I think hot chocolate we're a lot more on the pop side, whereas we're a lot more leaning towards more the soul side. Although it was a lovely, successful tour, and I love being with the guys because we're friends, I would like to see what it was like when we're just pulling in our own audience yeah. over there, you know? But yeah, it went great. It went really well. The audiences were great. Yeah, it was really good.
tour coming up in the UK this year. How does it feel to be back on the road after two years of lockdown? Great. Fantastic. Um, we actually came back on last year, halfway through, 
And that got us back into the swing very much. It's wonderful. I mean, that's what we do. That's what we're in it for. I mean, if we never made another, another record, it would be sad. But so long as we can perform live, well, then that's the other side of the real thing. And that's the side that we really came into the business for, perform live. But um, the new album, it was absolutely fantastic to do, you know, during lockdown. People say to us, well, why now after 40 years? And number one, we can now because we've got control of our recording career. Uh, we owe nothing to any record company. We've got the tools to do it ourselves now and we've got the platforms. But also, it gets frustrating when you're writing some really nice tunes and people aren't hearing them. So the main reason why we wanted to put out this new album is because we feel we've got some great tunes that we really want people to hear rather than them just sitting on a shelf, you know, um, or maybe just doing one or two of them at live gigs, things like that. And also we're sick of these best ofs and greatest hits <laughs> albums that I keep getting put out because although we're very proud of them, don't get yeah. me wrong, there's not many people can put out greatest hits albums. It gets a bit frustrating when you sat here writing new material. The record companies are promoting and spending a bit of money on promoting best ofs and greatest hits when they could be spending the money promoting the new one. But yeah. you see, when you're in our position, and there are a hell of a lot of groups in our position, they're only listening with half an ear. So I prefer to do it ourselves. I prefer to do it ourselves. Pick our own songs, write our own songs, and type what we want to do. Type that we think our audience want to hear, not what they think, right? We're not interested in whether it appeals to a 15, 16-year-old, or if, if it only appeals to... A 60 cent. We're not interested. All we do want to do is people know how the real things sound. People know the genre, what the real thing are into. And basically what we've tried to do is come up with a selection of songs that are relative to what we are now without losing the flavour of what we had that people really liked about us. So we've done that in this album, I think. Hello, how do you do to a friend? 
something that you think about because basically when you're going through the years you're going through the years and you, you know you don't sort of think to yourself am i getting too old for this or am i getting because what determines you as to how long you're going to last in this business is not how old you are because that doesn't really come into it with people it's how there's two things that determine longevity in this business when you're hot and when you're not when you're hot, you can do anything, can't you? It's what you do when you're not that determine how long you're going to last. Because that's when it becomes hard. That's when the whole creativity thing and your whole um, how you perform, how good you are, or how if you deteriorate, if your voice deteriorates, or if it gets better. So that's what determines how long you're going to be in the business. Did you think, did we think we were going to be in this long we knew that that was all we were going to do. We were never going to go back to doing Brick Lane. 
or anything like not that we'd ever done that before but that we were never going to do that type of thing we were always going to be doing what we're doing we knew we were in it for the long haul how long it's like i just said to you it depends on how good you are and um yeah that determines that determines how long you're going to be in it some people you look at you listen to and you go come on man you know it's a shame it's time you know because they can no longer sing they can no longer sing you know something might have happened or um, they haven't put the work into the voices or whatever. And you say to yourself, you shouldn't be doing this. You're not good enough to do it now. But hey, look, if you're enjoying it, why not? People will decide how good you are. People will decide. I can sit here and I can listen to artists and I know how good they are or how good they're not. They can listen to me. But it's not us who determine how long you're in this business. It's you. It's the people who are listening to the music. People who are paying the money to go and see the music, to go and see the acts, right? If they come out after a night out and they've enjoyed themselves, doesn't matter how you sing. Doesn't matter how you sing. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Doesn't matter how you look. If people have enjoyed what they've seen when they come and see you, that's what it's all about. That's what music's all about, you know. And I think, to be quite honest with you, that people, smart artists, really don't get it, you know when you're in our business, you know? When you're in our business, it's about making people happy. And if you make people happy, you're doing your job and you expect people who to respect that. Because I might not like somebody's act. I might not like somebody's voice. But if thousands of other people do, who am I to say? Just tell me whatever you wish I'll 
wise words there I'd, I'd like to wish you all the best with the new album and I'd just like to thank you personally for being a part of the soundtrack to my life well it's a pleasure long may it continue <laughs> here here
This is Wales. Bangor. Newport. Welsh Connection. Brought to you by Madcap Global Sound. Built Wales. Northwest. Aberdare. Port Madog. Colgan. Regent. Aberavron. Wrexham. Merthyr. Neath. 